Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kirscher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome to Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I am Melissa, and I am joined from across the country by... Wendy. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We have survived 2016 and all the chaos that it hath wrought. And oh here we are with a fresh new start. And uh, looking forward to some good movies that are coming out soon. Um, so stuff. I was... I was sick and it got, and it was not getting any better. And New Year's Day, like New Year's Eve, I was laying around and I'm, I've got the cold medicine and everything. And my husband's like, do you think we're going out tonight? I'm like, let's find out when it's time to go out. And I dosed myself up with everything Mm -hmm. and achieved breakaway speed and went out. And then, and then seriously, like around 11 p.m., I started to feel better, and by midnight on, I felt fine. I think I was allergic to 2016. It's quite possible. Like, I think there at the end, my body was just fighting an all-out war against 2016. and <laughs> It's all the toxins leaving your body. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> now, I think we all know 2017, let's be realistic, isn't looking like it's going to be a lot better, but we've got a fresh start, mm-hmm. and I feel revved up to fight that motherfucker. So I'm feeling a little bit more positive. I was feeling real rundown at the end of 2016, right? Just mm-hmm. really like beaten and battered. And now I've had a little time to rest. I'm going to come out swinging. Fuck you, 2017. I'm going to own your shit. <laughs> and that's how I feel about that. So, Melissa, what are you drinking on this fine evening? I am drinking a Bauhaus Wonder Stuff. Everything you just said is very terrific. Yes, it is Bauhaus <laughs> Brew Lab's Wonder Stuff. It's a uh, Neu Bohemian Pilsner. Uh, Neu spelled N-E-U with an umlaut. So uh, it's so <laughs> very German and so very Minnesotan. And Bauhaus has some of the best packaging design in this state. It's it's a beautifully designed can. And it's a, it's a nice little beer. Good for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm drinking two gingers. Oh, very good. Another Just on the rocks. Another Minnesota favorite. Yeah, and by the way, weirdly, and now granted, maybe the popularity's grown in Minnesota since I left, mm-hmm. but it's everywhere down here. We're up in Minnesota when I'd ask for two gingers, like most of the time it was like, ah, we got Jameson. Down <clears> here, <throat> I asked for two gingers and the bartender's like, good choice. The, it, there's a weird hold on Jameson in this town because um, the bar that serves the most Jameson in the world is here in Minneapolis. Maybe, what if it's a mafia thing? What if Jameson like has, has it on lockdown? (laughs) 
you know what? It might be, that might be the case. I have no idea. The Irish like, mafia. The Irish whiskey mafia. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that could be a serious thing. Um, we should not mock no. this. <laughs> no, like the uh, the Irish mafia is a thing. Oh, I know. And probably and they there's probably a whiskey branch. Yeah. Okay, um, we don't really know anything about the Irish whiskey mafia, anybody who may or may not be listening, FYI. But we will happily take donations. Yes. What? Yes. Yes, you can give me whiskey. You can always give me <laughs> yes, please. whiskey. whiskey. So, uh, Melissa, what's our topic this fine evening? Well, you know, there was a Star Wars movie that just came out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know... Um, Pretty much everybody has had their say about it, but we haven't. <laughs> right? <laughs> I agree. Everybody else has had their opinions shared. What about mine? Yeah. Yeah. So let's do that. Let's let's talk a little bit of Rogue One. So hopefully, you know, most of our listeners will have had a chance to see it by now. You know, it's been out for, what, three weeks at the moment? I've seen it three times. Yeah, twice for me. Right, yeah. so I feel I feel pretty good about like uh, if you're especially if you're listening to our podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. probably should go see Rogue One. It's good. I I agree. Yeah. Now I'm gonna open with the fact that I didn't flat out love it like a lot of people did. Oh no, I I didn't either. I mean, it's I thought it was very solid. It was a lot of fun. It was good. I really enjoyed. Well, I enjoyed it enough to see it twice. In the theater, yeah, uh, um, and I even I even paid more the second time because I went to see it in proper IMAX. Ooh, I didn't get off, to do that. Shown off film. What? Wow. Yeah. Was it? Was it really great? I bet it was really great. It was great. really, really sexy. Really. Yeah, was, I bet because it's pretty. There yeah. are a lot of there are a lot of like blatantly sexy shots like the people who made those shots happen are just like look at what i can do yeah (laughs) that's like masturbation material right there but the the, the can we both call out our favorite man wait call out your favorite masturbation shot i'm wondering if it's the same as mine okay so when the star destroyer is emerging out of the shadows and then the slow (laughs) reveal that it's not space behind it It's the yes. Death Star. That's like that was- a one-two punch. Like first you're starting, you're you're revving me up, and then you just deliver the goods. Like that it was, was like just like multiple orgasms right there. One, two, just right in a line. It was really impressive. Just like, oh my god, oh my god, that was great. <laughs> yes, yes. But you were saying before I interrupted. But uh, yeah, the it fascinated me seeing it in IMAX because uh, it was it was filmed digitally, but they used sixty-five millimeter lenses on the cameras. So um, the film print that they made in the IMAX format is gorgeous. Mm. And also it came packaged with a 10-minute preview of Dunkirk, which is uh, Christopher Nolan's new thing. Yeah. That was pretty sexy, too. Yeah. Although it looks very much like Christopher Nolan. Are we starting to all recognize that his films are all vaguely gray? Oh, yes, yes. Although, to be fair, I do believe he is actually filming this one. Film, film, filming. In yeah, 70, but... but <laughs> it's which still, which has like, a different, you know, color quality than digital. It, it's still, I'm like, do you... What? What is your aversion to color? Mm. What, uh, I did finally see Interstellar, which I actually enjoyed. I think I waited long enough to get so far past 
the backlash that by the time I watched it, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. You know, it's, um, well, we could have a very long discussion yes. about Interstellar. Yes. Because I, have so, I have so many, Nolan. I have so many beefs about that movie, and there are so many things I like about that film. It's, I'll just say it. Just say it right there. That's it. Well, we should put a pin in the topics of Christopher Nolan, um, mm -hmm. hard sci-fi movies, the science in hard sci-fi movies. Like, like that might be a good topic, not trying to do a scattershot every movie we can think of, but just sort of calling out specifically like specific science things in hard sci-fi movies that we want to chat about. Yes. Uh, I, I, I'm good at coming up with topics, but not good at staying on them. So, uh, hey, you know what's great about Star Wars Rogue One? It, <laughs> Jedi Zatuichi, that's what's good. Um, also, <laughs> the first Star Wars movie where the leading character, like, unequivocally, yes. unequivocally the leading character is a woman. Yes. And um, did we notice the fanboy reaction? No, that's because finally... They're just starting to, like, suck it on up, y'all. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, she's the only real woman in the movie. So we are back to that. Well, you know, we do have Mon Mothma. Yeah, but honestly, she's a small character. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Like, and I mean, seriously, like, uh, other movies are doing great with just, hey, look at the women. And I will say that, like... Like Force Awakens, there are a lot of women in the background. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Like pilots and workers. And so I love that, like like I said about Force Awakens, I love that when I look at this universe, I exist in it just as a person. Right. That's terrific. Of course, if you watch this back to back with Star Wars, you kind of <laughs> wonder when the, when the gender genocide occurred, because it was pretty quick. <laughs> Suddenly, also, only Leo was where'd, left. <laughs> where'd all the brown people go? Yeah, they were there. They were literally there just a minute ago. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the other fantastic thing mm -hmm. is that all of the leading characters are either women or people of color. Because mm -hmm. Cassian, Cassian Andor is Hispanic, and the actor proudly holds on to his accent. Yeah. Um, of course, Jen Urso is female, and then you've got Baze and and Chirit, who are both Asian. Mm -hmm. You've got Bodhi, who is like I don't know. It seems like the actor is some sort of Middle Eastern, mm -hmm. based on I, I haven't done a lot of background reading on him, but based on his name. So I'm just super excited. Of course, you've got Alan Tudyk, but he is playing a robot. So well, yeah, you know, digital we'll diversity. <laughs> and he has a like you got to represent the robots people like otherwise what was, it? What was the uh, synthetic human that that's the term from aliens <laughs> i prefer yes. i prefer synthetic human myself or something like that yeah except that he's unabashedly a robot oh he's very and i feel well, yeah, and I, he's wearing it loud and proud and he is disdainful of humanity which i really like. I, I call him C snarkio <laughs> that's great i was t like i really when like I C snarkio i love him i got Chris for Christmas, um, a little a little character pack that had specifically because it had K2SO in it. Mm -hmm. And Chris was thrilled to get it. He's so excited. And then I got Teddy one for Moana that has the chicken, hey hey. Mm -hmm. And so Chris is like, oh, we need to get little action figures of all the characters that Alan Tudyk is voiced. <laughs> of course. 
I love my husband. <laughs> what I love is that they found a new way to go with a robot, with, with one of our robot characters, because we had sassy R2-D2. Mm-hmm. We had fussy and prissy 3PO. We had adorable BB-8. And so, well, what are we going to do with this one? You know what? Make him kind of bitchy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you want me to tell you the odds that she will betray us? Well, they're high. Mm-hmm. They're very high. Yeah, apparently Alan Tudyk uh, did, in fact, improvise some of his lines. <laughs> cool. Are, I, I don't think we're surprised. He improvised the slap. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> when, when he slapped in <laughs> Cassie and that was improvised. I love it. Because he was actually on set. I was reading about this. He was on set in the motion capture, capture suit and on 13-inch stilts to put him at the right height. <laughs> I love how technology does that. And, like, I don't even notice the CGI on the robot. Yeah. I like, mean, although, I mean, it's easier to do a robot character in CGI and make it believable. It's, you know, <laughs> so we can talk about the uh, uncanny valleyness of some of the other digital effects yes. from here. Um, po- hold, hold that thought. Yeah. I just had a brief, like, what... Now, don't get me wrong, he's still a terrible character, but they didn't have motion capture suits and this technology when Lucas was making The Phantom Menace. Think about what they had to do with Jar Jar and and how awkward it is that people aren't looking in quite the right place. Yeah, indeed. Thank you, Peter Jackson, for figuring that shit out for Mm -hmm. Gollum because it has made the world a better place. Right. You don't just put eyeballs on a stick and like try and lead your actors to it. You actually put an actor there so the actors can act to something to a thing to yeah like there's an actor there's a performance happening and you're not just talking to a stick yeah yeah but you're right that still begs the question of the uncanny valley of peter cushing and princess leia at the end yeah yeah see i I feel like i did like seeing grand moff tarkin in the movie but I feel like he could have been entirely have have been represented by a reflection in the window, seen from the back, you know, like, yes, this is Grand Moff Tarkin, and he's kind of eerie and sinister, and you don't really see him in full. But it just looked like they wanted to show off with the technology. And the result is, it's actually really fairly convincing, except the skin texture is, like, too much. And... The it, mouth isn't right. The mouth isn't right, and ultimately, it doesn't act like Peter Cushing. Well, leaving leaving aside that, yeah, leaving aside that, we've already est- like they could have just gotten an actor. Nobody would well, have blinked. Well, they did, and then they kind of digitally mapped over the face, so there was well, yeah. an actual performance underneath it. But the, it looks rubbery it, a little bit, not much. I mean, the the t- technology is pretty amazing right now, but it's still. When I say they could have just gotten an actor, they could have just left the actor in. Mm, Like, like audiences would understand. I mean, we've had how many Batmans for fuck's sake? Nobody, nobody like, like when, when, um, what's his toes died and we got a new Dumbledore, Mm -hmm. like nobody blinks. We understand it would have been fine. And instead you, the first time I saw the movie, it took me out of the movie so drastically yeah that yeah. 
like I couldn't recover my equilibrium. So the first time I saw the movie, I was in it up until that point. And then I was just sitting there every time he was on screen going, I don't know why you did this. And I thought technology was better than this. Like Rod Paddock is like, technology is better than that. That was deliberate. They, uh, And he's like, I feel like it's some sort of misplaced sense of respect that they don't want to show that they can digitally recreate him because you respect says you shouldn't just be able to recreate a person when they're gone. I'm like, that seems weird. (laughs) Your theory seems flawed to me. Occam's razor is that it, that's the best they can do with that. (laughs) Which then they should like, and and, and and I, I think it's very telling that, I mean, at least from my perspective, the visual effects are almost there, but the thing is you can't replace the performance. It still doesn't read as Peter Cushing because it's not Peter Cushing delivering that performance. Yeah. It's not that I mean, human behind the face. I can't even speak to that because I can't get beyond all the subtle things that tell me it's not a human standing there. Right. Right. Like the the mouth moves a little wrong. There are and no the eyes aren't focusing quite right. And the there aren't the micro movements in the eyes because everybody's eyes track just a little bit all the yeah. time. Like yeah. it's it's off and all they had to do like I feel like when I know they were on a tight schedule, and especially with the reshoots, which is a whole nother topic, mm-hmm. when they realized it wasn't working, and somebody had to have realized, either yeah. that or they were way too close to it, They all they needed to do was just put it in a filter, a visual filter, like the reflection, mm-hmm. or- Have it like happen a vi- on a view screen. Uh, yeah, like a video call, mm-hmm. or a hologram, or something- and it would have been enough to take to put in enough filter that you wouldn't have noticed it and you just would have enjoyed it. The window was right there. We saw his character reflected in the window and it's like, that is definitely Grand Moff Tarkin. And so the same why not thing, just leave it like that? Yeah, and the same thing for Leia. Mm-hmm. Like, it was so great. You see her back. Yeah. And you're just like, yay. And then she turns around and you're like, oh, that is creepy. Yeah. Uh, why are you doing that? Where, and even if maybe they just shortened it. Like, mm-hmm. have her deliver the line and then turn and look over her shoulder. Mm-hmm. But when when they speak, that's when their mouths really go wrong for me. And I'm just like, that's not human. Right. Kill it. Kill it in fire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that is, but it deserves to die. Mm. But. Uh, our, our, that's, our lizard sensibilities of, that's a corpse that's talking to me. <laughs> yeah. Or she uh. wasn't a corpse then. Oh. No, I, that's not what I was referring to. I, be, I mean, literally, the Uncanny Valley is how much does this look like a dead human being? That's what <laughs> the theory is. That's what the bottom of the valley is. That's what we're thinking of when we go eh, at something that looks almost human. But I, I'm very sad. I just made a very awkward and terrible reference toward Carrie Fisher. Oh, oh. rest in peace, Carrie Fisher. <laughs> rest in awesomeness, yes. Carrie Fisher. Strangled in your own bra. Strangled in your own bra, mm-hmm. indeed. Now that said, there were other things about the movie that didn't like that threw me. Like, I was really thrown that there was no opening crawl. I know why there wasn't, and I actually kind of agree with it. Mm-hmm. This isn't an episode. This isn't an episode in the saga of the Skywalker clan. Mm-hmm. This is this is a standalone. Okay, but there wasn't a fanfare, and there wasn't a crawl, and I was like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> It's, it's like it emotionally threw me. Also, the, the fact that it's Michael Giacchino and not 
John Williams doing the music was a little off-putting, I thought. I, I mean, I like Michael Giacchino, but the reason you hire Michael Giacchino is to make a score sound like somebody else's score. <laughs> yeah, like seriously. And he's such a brilliant composer. I love his score for The Incredibles. And Let Me In is a brilliant score. Oh yeah, yeah. When he's when he's left to his own devices, when he doesn't have any, when he's not given that guidance of do that thing that other composer did over there, I really like Michael Giacchino. But he's it. It seems a little off for a Star Wars film to not have John Williams. I agree. Mm-hmm. He only had a month to do the score. Oh my god, I can't even imagine. The guy who was going to do it, because of the reshoots, uh-huh. the score didn't work anymore. Oh. The guy had already done the score. That's amazing. And then they did the, they were reshooting and re-editing it, and they needed him to fix it. And he, he already had to start on Valerian. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, okay, Michael Giacchino, come here. Michael Giacchino, who has worked on every J.J. Abrams film, except for Force Awakens, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I only know all this because I was reading IMDb. I don't, I'm not that smart. But he only got a month. Like, like whatever complaints about, you know, it's too bad. I still fucking love that man. And he does deliver a solid score, even if, you know, even when he is tra- having to ape somebody else. It's like, you know what? This hits all the emotional beats. It, it does fine. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, the, uh, the, the person who was formerly doing the music was Alexander Zesplat. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Who uh, did the King's Speech and uh, Argo and a bunch of other stuff like that. I think he did a couple of the Harry Potter movies after um, John Williams stepped away. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. But that said, there were things I really loved about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I liked that they put which planet we were on up Mm -hmm. on the screen. Like, you know what? It was all over the place. There were so many planets we visited. Like, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for helping me keep track of where the fuck I am. I yeah. really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I love all the little nods, not just to the original trilogy, but actually even to the the TV series, oh, Clone yeah. Wars and Rebels. Mm-hmm. Teddy's been watching the shit out of those, and so I've picked up stuff in the background. And so Jetta, I'm like, oh, look at that. That looks like... It would in the cartoons, like mm-hmm. the Jedi Temple. Look at that. That's awesome. And Forrest Whitaker's character is out of one yes. of those series, right? Okay, well, can we talk about Forrest Whitaker? What? Oh, I totally wanted to, him to turn into Dennis Hopper from Blue Velvet. With the- what? <laughs> Heineken, what? fuck that shit. Paps Blue Ribbon. I wanted that to happen so badly. <laughs> What whatever performance he was doing whatever performance he was doing he was doing it he was all in on that I, well he I always is there's yes. somebody else who does this too and i'm blanking on it but like forrest whitaker is one of those like what is it with him and weird voices like <laughs> that's how he defines his character is how can i speak weirdly mm-hmm. and that will be like and it becomes a little distracting like why are you talking like that why are you talking like that? And I understand like he's, his body is so ravaged and he's got the oxygen and everything, but it becomes a little weird. I'm t- I'm telling you, Dennis Hopper. <laughs> like, I just, like, he, he should have gone, of, and the he way he just gone going, full Frank Save Booth, the rebellion. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, did nobody recognize that the way he delivered that is actually disconcerting? 
Save the rebellion. Save the cheerleader. Save the world. Was it just me? <laughs> nope. And there's Borgullet. <laughs> like, his performance is wiggity whack. Now, that said, I loved Bodie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bodie's great. I like the first time I saw the movie, like other people were just like, holy shit, that was amazing. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Um, I saw it the first time Rod Paddock did a private screening, mm-hmm. which was super great. And so everybody that you know here in town was there pretty much. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, like Cargill and I were kind of in the same headspace of like, I felt like it wasn't perfect. And I'm like, what else has this director done? He's like, monsters. And Godzilla. The American, and Godzilla. The 2014 yeah. Godzilla. And I'm like, and my instant response was, oh, that explains it. And Cargill was like, uh-huh. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it does miss on some of the character stuff. I think he it, was more successful in this movie than his previous films, though. Yes. I, will say. yes, I, I, I think I, his direction is far sharper here than... I, I think Monsters is a pretty great movie for being a little low-budget thing. And uh, he definitely worked harder at the, the characters in that than in Godzilla. But... Uh, I think Rogue One is a fairly polished movie uh, that I wouldn't have guessed coming out of him, given his previous work. Oh, yeah. That said, I I love the hell out of the American Godzilla film for all its flaws. And, you know, Godzilla. So (laughs) I'm a little forgiving of that. The the thing is, okay, so (laughs) this is hilarious. So when I was watching the movie for the first time, I was with Fess sitting next to him. And when the... Adat emerges out of the oh, smoke at the end. That's so beautiful. I was like, ah! you know, I did all my happy, happy little joy, joy dance. And I was so happy. That was another really sexy shot. And then yeah. after the movie fest goes, that reaction was just like when Godzilla's fins lit up in the 2014 Godzilla film. And I go, it's the same director. And he goes, oh, yeah. that explains it. <laughs> yeah. Like he does so much right. Those visual, like, well, he knows how to capture the the look and feel of previous material. He clearly has a love for the previous material, and he loves it enough that he wants to give it the attention to make his entry part of that universe. Now, the the American Godzilla film, for as much as it's kind of set apart. You know, not just because it's American, but, you know, it was new to Godzilla design and it had kind of a different type of plot to it and all that. It was very true to the Japanese, the the Toho movies, Uh, but it also kind of serviced the American perception of what monster movies should be. So he did, even though his Godzilla film didn't look like a Toho Godzilla movie, it felt a lot like one in a lot of ways. Whereas Rogue One is a fucking masterpiece of art direction. Yeah. Like they Holy match shit. the original New Hope so well. The, the, the hairstyles. The, the, they they oh reused some of the costumes. They Did you know that? Costumes, but you could tell like even the new ones that were like lovingly handcrafted exactly like they would be in the 70s and using like materials you could find in the 70s it was amazing to look at i was reading at the tr- the trivia they filled in the hanger shot on uh yavin 4 mm-hmm. the same way they did for the original star wars with cardboard cutout x-wings <laughs> that's amazing so it looks the same and yeah. it's 
so great. It's so, it is so great. And it looks terrific. And like, I'm not saying it's a failure on the character front, but when you watch The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. and I mean, and part of it could be the weight of characters, but really in The Force Awakens, I'm responding to Ren and uh, Finn and and Rey like emotionally in a way that I didn't really respond to Jen or Cassian. Yeah, I I will absolutely agree with that. And now that I think- said like Cassian gives a great performance. The actor, like when he has to kill that one guy and escape, you can yeah. see the cost. Yeah. And which when when he delivers that speech in the at right before the third act of like all of us have had to do terrible things for the rebellion. We can't just we can't just let the rebellion peter out. Like mm-hmm. we've we've given too much. We, we're going to go with you. We're going to fight. Like that speech means something because of the performance he gave in that earlier scene. Mm-hmm. Like it, there's a lot there to like. And the second time I watched it, all the things that had bothered me, I'd gotten used to them, so I could just enjoy the film, and it was great. But the third time I watched it was when I re- really went, yeah, this doesn't hit me emotionally in the same place as The Force Awakens. No, no. But it's still a great, like, it's still a great piece of filmmaking. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely, like, I'm, I love that it's part of the canon. I love that we've told that story. I like the way the story was told. I am fucking curious about the first cut. And it's, it's a very different kind of story to come out of the, at least the mainstream films in the, yeah. in the universe where this is, uh, we're walking into this, what may almost certainly be our doom, (laughs) you know, just like there's a finality to it that they like the audience knows this is how the story has to end. Or at least, you know, the adult audience knows (laughs) the story has to end badly. (laughs) And uh, well, I mean, well, but badly. And it just walks right into that finality with, you know, its head held high. And it's, yeah, it's just got a, a very different quality to to it than, yeah. as opposed to the Skywalker storyline stuff. But aren't you curious, like, what was the first cut? Because yeah. they reshot and recut it to make, to make drastic changes to the tone. Mm-hmm. What was the first cut? Because this is a lot more like Dirty Dozen. Yeah. Like, was the first one more comedic, more like The Force Awakens, which is a much lighter adventure story? Mm-hmm. Ah, like, I feel like the special features ought to include the original cut. Like, I know that the <laughs> filmmakers probably don't want to show it to you because there's a reason they didn't, there's a reason they made the changes, but I feel like for film lovers and for people who want to learn about film, like, Making like seeing the mistakes is how you learn, and I'm dying to know. Oh yeah, dying. Like, did they have a happy ending? I feel like they originally had a happy ending. <laughs> like they somehow got away from the nuclear ba- blast of. Well, let's be honest. Especially the third time, I'm like, they went riding down from the top and went all the way out and walked out onto the beach. Mm-hmm. There were probably ships around. Right. They didn't even try. Like, I feel like, you know what? There is a storyline. There is a timeline there where they could have gotten away. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they can't because it becomes rather blatant 
in later films of, except where Jen and Cass in. Right. <laughs> well, what? Unless, you know, they get, I don't know, maybe they become prisoners of war, and then we add another scene to the end of Jedi, <laughs> where you see them walking out from their prison on Coruscant or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got. That's the only way that, that works. <sighs> uh, oh, ooh, I loved that the bad guy was a bureaucratic conniving oh yeah like oh he dickhead. was a, he was a righteous asshole i love that actor he was a fucking mba <laughs> yeah that's what he was oh my he was god a, he's perfect like i think, I think some... of all the characters in the movie with the exception of jedi zatuichi i am all for donnie yen but uh, uh asshole dude asshole evil dude is, is probably my favorite character even over <gasps> c snarkio because he's not actually evil. He's yeah. just that petty, grasping, greedy, oh, wanting to get ahead, yeah. ambitious. Oh. oh, yeah. And and that actor just plays it perfectly. It's beautiful. Uh, except I saw somebody else say this on Facebook, and I was like, thank you. Why is his cape so wrinkly? Uh, like, that is a failure on the part of the costumer. Like, how... Like, <laughs> Maybe that's why he wasn't getting it, ahead. Maybe he's sloppy. Like... Honest to God, it got distracting to me because I'm like, the minute they did one camera test, they had to have seen that and they let it go. If that's a deliberate choice, I don't know what that choice is because it that is that character is not sloppy. That character is so <laughs> such an egomaniac and such a preening dickweed that like if he knew that I was sitting in the audience going, damn, your cape looks like shit, he'd be pissed. <laughs> maybe maybe it's a signal that he only sees things right in front of him he doesn't have the awareness to look behind him yeah, I, i'm not disagreeing with that <laughs> but it's I probably feel like just he was sitting down between takes and it wrinkled yeah but how did like again i know i know, I know. the first dailies the cost the director should have been that looks like shit and the costumer should have been that looks like shit different fabric on the capio now that said, <laughs> I love like how they had the design of the cape. Mm -hmm. um, like that was oh that was great. Although oh randomly off topic, did we notice that James Earl Jones's voice is starting to sound old? Oh yes, like he's allowed to <laughs> age. It's okay, except that this Darth Vader sounds older than the one in the New Hope. <laughs> It's a little like, huh, that's odd. I will oh, say, but... it's been a long time since I've seen Darth Vader this scary, though. Yes. Holy shit, when he comes in at the end and uh, boards the, the rebel ship. And... That was what I was about to bring oh. up, is like, that whole scene is just... Well, that's like, what it's like to encounter Vader as a normal human. Oh, oh that, in, wow, no, you don't survive that. In tight quarters and, and like... Just banging, like, let me out. Oh, my God. And mm -hmm. you know that the plans are going to get out. You know yeah. they are. But I am genuinely tense and just, like, wanting to scream at the, get up, what, sit, just pass him out the door. Pass him out the door. God damn it. Yeah, suddenly yeah. the wrath of God just showed up in the room with you. You're going to die. But what I appreciate, though, is that for the most part, they keep his fighting still fairly simple as it was in the first movie. Oh, absolutely. It, it's not like when uh, Yoda took out a lightsaber and whichever prequel it was, and it was just kind of, it was so weird and almost laughable. 
Yeah. And well, like, because they develop so many more powers with the force of being able to levitate and do this and throw that and blah, blah, blah and everything, uh-huh. that it, there comes a point where I'm like, I don't understand why you don't just levitate shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you solving all your problems with levitation? Oh, I'd don't be like, st- bring that popcorn over here. Yeah, <laughs> right. I would be doing that shit all the time at home. So <laughs> to the point where when you watch the first Star Wars, you're a little like, huh. They don't really do a whole lot. Right. <laughs> These magical Jedi don't do a whole lot in this movie. Well, so it, I like I like that they toned down his fight sequence so that it's a better blend. Well, yeah. and it's it's just more impressive when it seems plausible that a human could do that because it kind of grounds it in a reality and makes it more impressive that way. I mean, it's just like watching Donnie Yen in his scenes. It's like, oh. well, I, I know, right? Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen. I'm all about I Donnie Yen. I could watch his face forever. I've been talking off. about this movie way too long without saying Donnie Yen. So I I was saving him for the last. I, uh, that's that's fair. That's fair. Donnie that's okay. Yen. It's amazing. It was his idea to make the character blind. <laughs> He's Zatoichi. I didn't realize I wanted Donnie Yen to be Jedi Zatoichi, but here he is. He's so great. Well, so he's so, he, now his character, I will say that his character in Baze, oh, yeah. the, the emotional resonance is there for those two. And I feel like that's a function of those two actors just being really terrific. The relationship that launched a thousand fanfics instantly. <laughs> So for Christmas at a white elephant, I got one of those Popco fun, fun, fun coat with the bobblehead things. Yeah. Right. I got one of Bays and I got one of Cheer It. Mm-hmm. And last year at the same party, I got a Poe Dameron. So now I have my trio of <laughs> gay Star Wars characters Woo-hoo! and they're all having a little bobbleheaded party over on my well, shelf. Well, you need a C-3PO as well. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I know. Um like whatever the relationship is, I don't even care. There, the friendship, the relationship between the two is so warm mm-hmm. and wonderful, and the character of Baze is so like even though he doesn't say a whole lot, it is so layered and nuanced with so much background that I know everything about that character. Mm-hmm. I would love to see more about that character, but I know who that person is. And I know that largely because of Donnie Yen's performance and the way he reacts to him and talks about him mm-hmm. because Donnie Yen is a fucking master. And and when he fights, <laughs> it's so glorious. Donnie Yen. I am so astounded because I, Donnie Yen has had such a long career because his first real movie he um I, i've seen his first film which is uh drunken tai chi which if i remember right was made in like 1983 okay now consider Damn. this and he was adult when he made drunken tai chi yeah that was a while ago and the dude's in, yeah. the dude's in his 50s minimum yeah, yeah. and look at that man move <laughs> right right i don't but more than that i, I, I just want to watch really, his face wow. yeah. there's something about his face it's so open mm-hmm. it is so revealed in this and that's his performance because i've seen him do other things i mean where he you know his face is more closed or whatever but in this one like 
I would just want to be his best friend. Yeah. And he, he's so much more fun when he is allowed to broaden his performance. I mean, there's so many uh, Donnie Yen movies even made within the last 10 years where he's still very stoic. I mean, yeah. the action scenes are fantastic, but he's still very stoic. But he's always so much more engaging when he's allowed to have fun. And like, it's one of the reasons I love Dr- Drunken Tai Chi so much is because, I mean, he's just a young punk in that, but he's he's doing comedy. It's just and he's a good at it. Thing. Yeah, he's so good at it. Like, did you see? <laughs> did you see the the commercial, the makeup commercial I posted with him? No. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, it's on my Facebook. I will make a note to send you the link, and you can put it in the show notes. It's <laughs> it's this commercial from from you know back east where he is the star in this makeup commercial, and he gives these women makeovers, and it's delightfully weird oh i'm gonna write down makeup commercial so i remember to send that yeah send me that link i need to see that and i'll put Uh, it in the show notes right right i like what it says about the mythology of the jedi the Mm -hmm. two of them baze and baze and cheer it um and I like that we learn more about the kyber crystals. Mm-hmm. And knowing that the Death Star is powered by kyber crystals, that's yeah, an interesting idea. Like suddenly its big beam is just a giant lightsaber beam destroying yep. things. Yep. Oh, that's fucked up. That's, that's fucked up. As, as if planet killing already wasn't fucked up enough. <laughs> yeah, but how you're being killed is by the same... The same power of a lightsaber. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I kind of wanted more Mads Mikkelsen. Well, there's never enough Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah, I have, right? a, I have a story for you, by the way. Okay. I have a story for all of you. I will I will diverge at this point because Mads Mikkelsen... Um, Mads Mikkelsen made me very happy in 2016, right? Yes. Because he shows up in Doctor Strange in purple glitter eye makeup, and it's one <laughs> of the highlights of my year. It's It was wonderful. And and I'm saying that in a year that I got married and got a dog. So I, that's, like, pretty high ranking. <laughs> so after we recorded the BNAT episode of this fine podcast, I you know, we went and sang karaoke, and then I wound up at Cargill's house. And Cargill was sitting there talking to Scott Derrickson. So we have the writer and director of Doctor Strange sitting there on the porch chatting. And uh, amongst other things, you know, there were other friends of ours in the room. So I was mostly hanging out with uh, Heidi and and other people like that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it was like 4.30 in the morning and I went out into the porch with my coat on going, ready to go. I'm tired. I'm going to bed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to go back to Wendy's house and crash mightily. And Cargill goes, sit your ass down and talk to Scott Derrickson. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay. So <laughs> we we have start having long conversations, uh, all of us. And like Jess is there and Derek's there. and But it's like the five of us for from 4.30 on. And Derrickson was t- talking about like a different movie shoot where he like met uh, – 9-11 first responders and was telling stories about that and uh, you know just all sorts of random stuff and eventually we got onto the topic of dr strange and i said okay whoever thought to put glitter eye makeup on mads mickelson made my year <laughs> just have to say that <laughs> to you guys it was amazing and derrickson turns to me and he says 
did you know that Mads used to be a dancer? <laughs> and I went, oh. Oh. <laughs> it's, uh. like, it's like whole new realms of my adoration of uh, Mads Mikkelsen just opened up. <laughs> well, and it makes me want a music video like we got with Christopher Walken. Yeah. Among right? other things. Right. And so he used to be a, a dancer and a gymnast. So <laughs> oh Scott my. Derrickson, right? Oh, hmm. I'm going to go see Dr. Strange a third time, by the way, yeah. because of that. <laughs> so, I'll, be, I'll be watching it privately. <laughs> so after that, Scott Derrickson proceeds to tell the room um, about one of the days they were shooting. And they were shooting that first scene in Dr. Strange where... Mads Mikkelsen and team encounters the ancient one and and the buildings go all fucked up and and there's big fight sequence and all that stuff. So when you see Mikkelsen advance the first time, he double draws to the like little short sword things. And uh like he he takes his arms, crosses them across the body, and draws both of the knives out, and like sunlight glints off of the knives, and he proceeds forward. That was not a special effect, <laughs> so uh Aww. when they were about to make that shot, Mickelson goes up to Derrickson and he goes, "Um." All right, so how do you want to block this? Okay, so I start there, and okay, so do you want me to cross over there, and maybe I draw both of them at the same time? And how about like this? If I draw them out and like catch the glint right here when I draw it out in an arc, like right here, you think, okay, how does that light work? Okay, good, let's do this. And so Mickelson goes back to his mark, and Derrickson turns to Cargill, and he goes, watch this. He'll make that mark every single time. He will make it happen every single shot. And they shot it several times. And no shit, Mickelson hit that catching the glint that he could not see at the exact right place at the exact right moment every single time. Because he was a fucking dancer. And he has that body awareness. I love that so much. (laughs) Oh, that's Mickelson. Now, the question is, what other stories could Star Wars tell now? Mm, yes. Like, we've gotten this story, mm-hmm. which is sort of the big one. Right. Right? I feel like this is, like, a little bit low-hanging fruit. Um, obviously, they're working on a young Han Solo, like mm-hmm. the, the Kessel Run, right? That makes sense. I want to see how they resol- resolve the parsecs thing. Right? I really they're, want to see how that works. They're working. They're apparently working that. <laughs> Right. Oh, that I that threw me. Now I'm thinking about that. Um, uh, I wanted to just be an uh, error made by the character. He was he was thinking he was bragging, and really he was just signaling he had no idea what a parsec was. Right. Right. This is the first uh, Star Wars movie to never even mention the name Skywalker. Hot damn! You're right. I like it. Right. Um, I, I like the, the thing that has been starting to bother me about all of the Star Wars movies is that everything everything's coming up Skywalker, which means yeah. you can't get away from this one family in this entire vast enormous universe with hundreds and hundreds of planets that are clearly populated. Except so, that what if what if the Star Wars saga as we know it is the Skywalker saga? What if that's their end game is to say, you know what? That's the Skywalker saga. Here are these other stories. Which like, is great. 
And, and like, that's right? what I, exactly what I'd hoped for. But I mean, in just the first seven movies, which is a lot of material, um, having an, the, the fact that it's this whole galaxy wide thing, empire and global war and all that, it seems very, it seems smaller and smaller and smaller every time you pull it towards this one family. Right? I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. I really hope they don't make Rey a Skywalker. Yeah. I really, I really hope. Now, like other movies, I would love a Wookiee movie. Yep. I would love, like, I feel like there are stories to be told on Tatooine. There are stories you could tell on Coruscant. I want the calamari. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I really enjoyed the calamari admiral in this a yes. lot. Yes. Like, because Admiral Akbar is a little bit foolishly played. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this guy is, this guy's competent. Mm-hmm. The guy in this movie, I really like how competent he is. I love, I do love the whole heist that they pull. Yes. On the, on the, the archives. I love, I love so much about this mm-hmm. that realistically my complaints are just about it just failing to click over that last level yeah. like i love the i love the rock tidal wave yeah yeah that's yeah. pretty sexy like i love the look of one one beam hitting a planet yep yeah yeah that's whoo i and i love the the set it for as ludicrous as it really kind of is i love that setup uh, at the end with you've got the ships above you've got the shield around the planet and the ring that they have to get to through and then it's like uh the island of palau <laughs> underneath with a single tower with a single radio dish on it it's like hmm that that looks like game of death right there you know you climb the tower to the peak and then you win the game right but <laughs> yeah it's a it, it's it's a kind of a beautiful setup and also kind of ridiculous when you think about it. It's just this little, one little tiny installment. <sighs> and presumably there are other installments throughout the this uh, water world planet, but uh, it's eh, yeah, it, like... it just amuses me. And when you think about it, when you look down from the aerial view, where the fucks did those AT-ATs come from? Where were those parked? I want to know. That's a good point. Maybe there's an underwater garage for AT-ATs. <laughs> Why would there they put be. AT-ATs on that planet? <laughs> Why would they put them there? What, uh, what purpose would they serve? They serve the purpose of looking awesome coming out of the mist? I agree. I, I do not disparage that as a reason. Believe me. I love that and, they were there. But then when you think about it, what the fuck were they there? Okay, so now that as I keep thinking about this, like the death of K2SO mm-hmm. is profoundly moving. So realistically, the real problems are Cassian and Jen. Oh, which is really sad. And and you know what? I hate to say it. I think it's mostly Jen because and I don't think it's the actress. I think the actress wasn't given much to do except look steely. Yeah, I agree. The script didn't give her much latitude to do much else other than be focused on her mission. Yeah. Like there were beats that were missing there. Mm-hmm. Um, now she, she, she lacks a certain amount of desperation weirdly. Yeah. I mean, she does get a little bit of um, emotional gravity when she, um, by the way, that song is my dog ringing the doorbell to get in the house. Um, <laughs> 
I don't know if it's coming through in the microphone at all. But I can uh, hear it a little bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I still don't know what that tune is. I'm trying to figure it out. There are 36 different tunes on the doorbell. <laughs> I've been trying. I've been playing Name That Tune, and this one bothers me the most because I don't know what it is. Anyway, um, <laughs> so I mean, she she does get a little uh, emotional latitude when she's dealing with her father, and yeah. she gets a lovely tearful moment when she reconnects with him. Um, she gets angry when she encounters uh, Forrest Whitaker and his bizarre character. And it gives a little bit of dimension to her. But other than that, there's not much. Well, like the scene where afterwards where she confronts Cassie and you went up there to kill him. She's not nearly angry enough. Yeah. Yeah. And he's playing it pretty well. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know why I like, I don't know why they made that choice. And and you're left to wonder, like, I know she can perform that I, she's a very good actress yeah. so was that her choice was that the director's choice was that fatigue by that point for all we know that was one of the last reshoots and by that point i gotta think that like you're just fatigued with a character and like i don't even know what to do anymore i don't i have or, no idea how this connects to the larger narrative or i mean at that point you know as an actor you have very little insight into what's actually being cut into the film yeah and so with an expanded script or a script that changed dramatically, you know, from an actor's point of view, you're probably thinking you're, you've delivered a much more nuanced and varied performance when in reality, a lot of the stuff that gave your performance that breadth is gone. Well, and I have out. to think like, if you don't, if you're, if you're shooting so piecemeal and you have no idea what the hole is anymore, yeah. you end up in the middle of the road because you don't want to give a performance mm -hmm. that is so far outside of what's appropriate. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to play this too crazy angry because what if that's really jarring? Right. Right. And if he's a relatively inexperienced director, he might not know to pull like a a spectrum of performances in each scene so that you can pull the the right one. Yeah. He doesn't seem like a an actor's director at the no, moment. No, he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, which is, you know, kind of Well, cuz he didn't get but... a he didn't get a great performance out of um the lead in Godzilla, who as we know is incredibly likable. Yeah, he can very well uh there's script issues at that point too, but But yeah. still that actor is actually engaging and yet delivers a very flat affect performance. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to think it's a little bit the director. Probably. And maybe even the director asking for something like that. Mm -hmm. Because that actor, Aaron whatever his name is, like... Yeah. Like, I feel like maybe he got squelched because it feels like his his on-screen persona, his on-screen chemistry is so engaging mm -hmm. and light that that was a deliberate choice to to flatten him out. Yeah, maybe. I I don't know. I mean, it... it going back, it's... It, it seems, it's like George Lucas all over again where in the prequels... It's very noticeable who can act with minimal direction and who can't. Like yeah. Hayden Christensen, outside of Star Wars, fine actor. Yeah. Fucking terrible in Star Wars. Whereas Ewan McGregor is just having a ball. <laughs> yeah, Ewan McGregor makes those movies, the, the little bit that they're watchable is yeah. him. 
Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all him. I'll watch the Ewan McGregor bits and that's it. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap this up. Yes. I feel I, like we kind of covered everything on this. I think so. I, I really did enjoy it. I um, It's it's not perfect, but I, I very much like it. I certainly like it a hell of a lot more than prequels. And I think it, it really shows a big reason why the prequels don't work is all in art direction, actually. <laughs> it's like the, the prequels kind of charged ahead with their look, whereas this one is like, yes, this happened immediately before Star Wars, and you can see it visually that this is in the same universe. Yeah. 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 Well, and also, like, the, the classic thing about the prequels is try to describe the, any of the characters without describing what they do. Right. There <laughs> are no adjectives. There are no adjectives to describe the characters in the prequel. Whereas, I mean, for all that this is flawed, there are adjectives here. Oh, yeah. Jen is steely. Jen is bitter. Jen mm-hmm. is, um, she's, you know, you can, you can describe her as being cut off mm-hmm. and being emotionally distant. Cassian is conflicted, right? Mm-hmm. That K2SO is snarky. Like, so <laughs> they've gotten the characters a lot more right. And yeah. what this does, this actually turns, this gives weight to a new hope in a really unexpected ways. Right. When you know how those, what they had to pay for those plans, mm-hmm. suddenly that, like, the, the original Star Wars becomes, yeah, it's a great space adventure, but the stakes are raised. Or even why that fucking shaft existed in the first place and why one hit to it can destroy the whole goddamn thing. Exactly. Like, Ah. this was actually a very smart movie. That was put there on purpose. Yep. And they were told to go looking for it. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, yes, 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 yay. <laughs> so I, I, love, I love this expansion to the universe. So I'm excited for more of this. I'm excited for more stories in this universe. It's a great big fucking universe. Tell me more. Yeah, more, more side projects like this. I'll be, I, I'll be curious to see if they can think beyond things that tie directly to the original saga. Like, because young Han Solo, obviously, right? But... Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot more out there, especially thanks to Clone Wars and Rebels. Yeah, which if if you've not watched them, those are so good. Let's have the adventures of Boba Fett. Right. Well, you kind of do in the TV series, and mm, oh, and like and the uh, the, the, the Star Wars Holiday Special. <laughs> uh, and a, like, I would love to see a movie that actually like. I know you don't need to because it's pretty much all in this TV series, but I love Ahsoka Tano. Mm-hmm. Like, they could give me more of her, and I would be very happy. <laughs> and the, the, there are books about, there are books about Ahsoka Tano, about says my husband, who just got home. And by the way, the, the TV series actually make you care about Anakin the Jedi. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. Who thought that could ever be possible? <laughs> All right, Melissa, do you have a recommendation this week? I do. And it's the movie The Running Man. (laughs) (laughs) Because I I know and love this movie. I watched it endlessly in like the year 1987 uh, because it was on uh, HBO all the time. But and then, you know, eventually the governor of my state you know, was in that. Um, but yes. <laughs> the, uh, by the way, the, the running man is one of four movies that contains 
two people who became governor <laughs> and it ah. wasn't and they weren't appearing as themselves in the movie so they were playing characters so anyway uh the running man you know 1987 um arnold schwarzenegger it's it's super super cheesy uh sort of based on a stephen king book not really but yeah kind of and uh oh, the, richard the Dawson, original Richard Dawson playing an evil game show host, and he's perfect. Yes, he is. Perfect. He's amazing to watch. And you know when it was set? 2017. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so on New Year's Day, when Kelvin and I were still watching movies uh, and we'd switched over to good stuff, I learned that he had never seen The Running Man. Which, what? Yeah, right? So it's like, this this shit, this is happening now. So we get a copy of The Running Man out of my room and I put it in and the opening crawl starts and it says in 2017. It's like, yes, I picked the perfect year! (laughs) Because I totally forgot what year it was supposed to be and right there in the opening crawl, it's like, I am God! I am playing this on January 1st of the right year. It is perfect. It is a perfect moment. So, dear listeners, if you haven't visited uh, The Running Man, please do so. It ain't perfect. It's a lot of fun. It's very Um, 80s. The novella, The Running Man, is so good. I would love it if somebody would actually make that into a movie for real. Yeah. Because it's, ooh, like it's so appropriate for right now, too. Uh All right. My... My Pleasure Dome recommendation for this week is Amazon Now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Is that, the, is that the one day delivery or the one hour delivery? <laughs> that's the, well, what do you think now means, my friend? Like right fucking now. Like did right fucking now. Cream? No. Okay. Here's, here's the story. So first off, did you know that if you, if something is available for Amazon Now and you choose to get it delivered slower you get credits yep. towards your next amazon now yep so there we were on and for christmas eve we're gonna have fondue which is a tradition started by the wicks and that i joined in and now we're keeping it going down here and we're gonna have fondue we only have the one fondue pot mm-hmm. last year i borrowed one but the person i borrowed from was already out of town and i forgot to ask him soon enough so then i go out and I go to Walmart and I go to Target and I go like, all, and nobody has fondue pots. Like they've all been bought out. What? Apparently fondue pots were the gift to give this year. Who knew? Um, and we came up with some workarounds, but eventually Chris just goes, you know what? We're, we're going to need a second fondue pot next year. And he orders one from Amazon now and it arrives. <laughs> And it was amazing. And here's why it's so great. Because our first original fondue pot, we couldn't find the power cord for. That's awesome. <laughs> so we didn't actually have two fondue pots. We still only had the one. But thank God for Amazon now. And it does mean that we have time to get a second yeah. power cord for the other one to have two next year and blah, blah, blah. But Amazon now. I like living in a world with Amazon now, and it it made Christmas Eve pleasurable. So there you go. Awesome. <laughs> Amazon now. I haven't I haven't done the Amazon now yet. I have done the one day delivery, and that is fucking magic to me. But it's also great. Yeah. 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 But Amazon now is even more magic. It's literally, <laughs> hey you, 
run to the store and get this for me. (laughs) (laughs) This is a power that is usually reserved for fiefdoms, right? Right? Yeah. (laughs) You, servant, lackey person, fetch me a fondue pot. What are Americans going to be like when we have a generation who grew up with Amazon now? Right? This is going to be terrifying. Oh. Ah, or awesome. It could be awesome. It could be both. I have a feeling it will depend on how you're raised and if you're raised to appreciate the bounty at your fingertips. That is well spoken. Let us instead wrap up this lovely episode. Yes. Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen. We love Donnie Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen, Donnie Yen. There are jazz hands as I sing about him. (laughs) Donnie Yen. So seek out some Donnie Yen and uh, watch some Zatuichi movies. And uh, if you haven't yet, see Rogue One. It's fun. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Take us on home, Melissa. So, dear listeners, thank you for joining us in the Pleasure Dome. I was Melissa, and that was... Windy. Back down there in Austin. I'm here in Minneapolis where it's like negative 21 on the Fahrenheit scale. Fuck that noise. I'm going to watch some more Melissa, movies. Melissa, it's, it's cold here. here. It's going to get down to below freezing here. Oh, fuck you. Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. You can find us on iTunes and on Stitcher. You can also visit us at XanaduCinema.com, follow us on Twitter at Xanadu Cinema, and like us on Facebook at Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. I'm eating potato chips for dinner. <laughs>